This is the Sunday Times Politics Weekly, where we unpack the week's big political stories. I'm Mike Siluma, and thanks for joining us. With the work of the State Capture Commission finally concluded, we thought in this episode of the Sunday Times Politics Weekly, we should have a chat with the person who was, in, in more ways than one, a catalyst for the establishment of the commission. Uh, we welcome Professor Tulima Donzela, who, as public protector, uh, recommended the establishment of a commission into state capture. She now teaches law at the University of Stellenbosch. With immediate effect. When people saw And I quote, In two years' time, Eskim's problems will be a thing of the past. People won't even remember load shedding. Unquote. They put saliva on the paper. I'm in charge. That's why these fools are running around here. I'm in charge. And then they share that zone. Point of order, Jefferson. Order, Jefferson. Point of order, ruling party by point of order. Must step aside within 30 days. No, I'm not going to apologize. He has no brains whatsoever. The ANC president was sabotaged again yesterday. Well, sabotage, that can be This is not a shit. Thanks for your time, Prof. You're welcome, and thank you for the privilege. Now, the, the State Capture Commission, headed by uh, Justice Raymond Zondo, was established on your recommendation, uh, and it cost uh, at least a billion rand. The, the, the bean counters tell us that you know, at least a billion rand was spent on it. Uh, when you look back, when you look at the outcomes of the commission, uh, would you say it was time and money well spent by the country? Yes, certainly. It has been time and money well spent. Of course, this is not what I ordered. You would know that because you guys published this so-called leaked tape, uh, which really was just a tape that was part of the transcript that was issued with the report. All we had asked was a narrow uh, investigation to complete the investigation I had been asked by the people of South Africa and the Parliament of South Africa to conduct. It was very narrow. It was about the conduct of the president uh, together with the Guptas and his son, and a little bit of law enforcement. And of course, the president funded it, which was wrong. But the results, I think, are good for South Africa. Mm. And and what would you say are the greatest achievements of the commission? Because it, it gathered quite a lot of information. And I think for ordinary South Africans, sometimes it was just too much information coming their way. Uh, so, so if, if if from where you're sitting, you know, and and looking back, you, you you'd say what 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 are the the greatest achievements? Yes, in terms of the main achievements, was the first one is that the what state capture. The second one was the minister of finance was not relieved of his duties uh, to get a position at a bank that is linked to BRICS. He was relieved of his duties because he wasn't playing ball. He also got to know which state institutions were taped by state capture. We also got to know who were the key actors in state capture, who were the kingpins and who were the enablers. And more importantly, how was the state procurement system compromised because of this? And how did the state security agency having been repurposed, aid in this process of state capture. 
among others. And and when you just going back to to when you when you started your investigation as public protector, and you made the recommendations that that you made, um, did you have an inkling of the extent of the corruption that would be un, you know unearthed by 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 the state capture commission? No, I didn't. We knew that there was a lot of corruption and that it was crippling service delivery and regulation. But the kind of monster that was revealed by Chief Justice Zondo is not what I envisaged. Let's talk about the the, the obstacles uh, that you that that and, and challenges that you faced in undertaking the task, you know, of of, of doing your initial investigation into the likes of Nkandla and you know, and, and 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 all of that, you know, because the the what one can imagine that uh, investigating a sitting president and saying things that are uncomplimentary, uh, to put it mildly. Uh, or revealing things that he and his his uh, cohorts perhaps might not have wanted revealed would 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 not have been a walk in the park. It was not a walk in the park, but we thank God for the fact that though painted our leaders are, they respect the rule of law. In a different country, President Zuma have just shut down my office or fired me, even if it's illegal. In other countries, they don't care what the law says. So for that, we should give credit, not just to President Zuma, but just generally to the leadership of this country. The first obstacle we faced was resources. When this investigation came up, my team was busy with cases and I was uh, on my way out of office. My seven year term was about to, to end. So we asked to do this, it's March, 2016, and I'm leaving office in October. So we have six months to conclude a major investigation and the teams can't take this because they have their hands full and they're trying to wrap up investigations. They had to ask for money from, from government to do this. And it took a while for the Department of Justice to give us half of the money that we had asked for. And then we had to insource a team of investigators to do this. And that was the first part. The second part was, of course, dealing with the a communication storm that was leashed by Bell Pottinger. We now know based on the investigation that was done by the PR agency in London with the help of people like Peter Haynes, Lord Haynes and uh, Lord Rennick, um, they called that to order and it was revealed that Bell Pottinger had been hired by the president's son, Dutuzane Zuma and the Guptas. But this, the, the communication storm that they leashed, they unleashed against my office and everyone else who was trying to um, uh, to look into state capture was a formidable storm. We heard for the first time about white monopoly capital and we had breakfast, land faced, which was paid to do this, raiding my offices and sleeping in our offices, just generally so much chaos. And, me as a person was maligned. There were threats to kill me, threats to kill my children, and the new age and ANN7 with arms with all sorts of dead cats um, uh, around this. And the President Zuma and some of the key players 
film in other places, also didn't play ball. We informed the president as soon as we got the request in terms of the Executive Members Ethics Act that he was being investigated. Much closer to the end of my term, we still hadn't heard answers from him. And you know that the final story was him telling the world that I have not given him an opportunity to give his side of the story. So that was part of that. And also just a sense of dishonesty. My last meeting with the president was captured in a transcript where the president promised me that I would get the answers the following week, I think on Monday or Tuesday. And I get to my office and one of my staff members is in my office and he wants to meet me urgently and he's telling me that no you're not getting any answers from the president next week because the president has hired a law firm to stop you so again that was not really dealing in an open-handed way you had to be alert for things that you hadn't planned for did you feel i know that you were saying that threats were made against your your you know your life and against you know members of your family but did, did you actually feel vulnerable that something could have happened to you at any point while you were doing the, the investigation i certainly did feel that anything could happen and the way science cars following us, then my protectors taking the numbers and reporting to South that this car is following us with nothing being done. But I must also be honest here, Mike, that it wasn't just me and my family that were in danger. The team that was doing the investigation too was in danger. Mm. Because this takes us into another, you know, aspect of, of fighting corruption. You know, the, the question of protecting whistleblowers. What, what role would you say they played in, in enabling or assisting the work that you did uh, in, in, when you were investigating uh, a state capture? Whistleblowers played a major role in, in this investigation. In fact, I honestly think that they are the heroes. Firstly, for us to investigate this, whistleblowers reported this matter to the media. So it starts with the first whistleblower and the main hero of the story is Mzebi Jonas, who told the world that he was offered the position of finance minister on certain conditions. And he had no reason to lie. He had absolutely nothing to gain by blowing this whistle. And then we then got others that created the story, uh, somebody like Masego, Temba Masego, and even the lady that people thought lied, I don't think that she lied, Vichy, mental. Trust me, Mike, if you brought the, the Gupta brothers right now and put them in front of me and said to me, who is who? I wouldn't know. People should understand the cultural differences that... <coughs> It's easier to identify people who belong to a cultural group or ethnic group than it is to identify. It's very easy to distinguish between Black people. But sometimes it, it takes me forever to distinguish between one white man from another and one Indian man from, from another, especially if their features are not too distinct from each other. And therefore, I don't think that mentors story should just be discarded like that because she could not uh, fully identify. So she was another key whistleblower. 
Then there were whistleblowers that assisted us to get to know what happened, the full story now about the money and the financial flows. And we should also thank the people that did the Gupta leaks because we gained a lot from the Gupta leaks. For me, as public protector and my team, one whistleblower that also deserves a mention, Musilo Mutepo. Even though her story is not included in our report, but she was one of the last people we met. And from her, we got a very clear sense of the spider web, which spider web has been confirmed by Chief Justice Zondo in the final state capture report. Do you think that we're doing enough to, to protect uh, whistleblowers? No, we, we are not. We tend to be all afraid of whistleblowers because we all say we want to operate with integrity. But look at how all of these whistleblowers have struggled to get new employment. I think Musilo is one of the few lucky ones, but she also struggled in the first few years after whistleblowing with nobody wanting to employ her, and she almost lost a house. Then you have the one who whistleblew against Spain, and uh, he has had to leave the country, uh, Williams. He has had to leave the country because... Oh, Ethel. Yeah, Ethel Williams has had to leave the country for security reasons, but also um, employment challenges. We do need to start finding new language, start on how we speak with whistle we speak about whistleblowers i don't even know whether whistleblower is the right term but we need in in african languages it's even worse we don't have a good uh, a good word for a whistleblower for example i once saw a um a campa- campaign materials a, a copy of campaign material from a government department and in Zulu, the Zulu version was saying, for whistleblower, it was saying Mpimpi. So me and you know what Mpimpi is. Mpimpi were the horrible people that were collaborating. It's not a good person. Exactly. It's, it's so, it, it's not really, just generally Mpimpi, even in olden days, was not a good person. It's a spy. In Zulu, Mpimpi is a spy. How Mpimpi and whistleblower got confused with one another i do mm. not know you 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 you've been you know uh, reported as being in favor of uh, an amnesty of some sort for people mentioned and i think a lot of south africans will be very cross with you for even you know thinking that you know to say look we spent all this time uh, investigating naming people naming their crimes and then you of all people turn around and say we must consider an amnesty. I know that it it is a matter that people are not in favour of, but more people are warming up to the idea of amnesty. The reality is the people that I'm asking to be considered for amnesty are people that are not in the net yet, but they're in the system. Firstly, corrupt people and thieves do not eat alone or work alone. They have a spider web. And if you then cut the tentacles of that spider web or the connections in the spider web, it will continue to operate. As we speak, 
right now. We don't know who in the state security agency is still working with the guys outside, who at ESCOM is still working with the guys outside. If you don't give these guys amnesty, they are at the mercy of the people outside because they would be saying to them, if you don't do as I say, I will expose that you are part of us and you will lose your job. So if you lose your job, you, you, you end up with nothing because the person who is exposed to you has been maliciously, they're not going to look after you. And the people who are employing you uh, are, are not going to trust you. And so firstly, it's just to cut the, the power of the people outside over the people who remain in, in the system. That's number one. The second thing is additional information. If we want to prosecute, if we want to get the money, we will get more information from them. They will even tell you what in the system are the fault lines. And thirdly, we can then move them out of the places where they are because you've got to break this spider web of corruption. Corruption is an organized crime and state capture is a form of corruption and it is an it is a crime syndicate with kingpins and foot soldiers and the amnesty i am suggesting is primarily for foot soldiers but when i'm talking about a foot soldier a foot soldier might still be an important person say somebody is a dg but if their role was minimum I think they should still get amnesty. If they were not the mastermind, but they enabled this to happen. My sense of it is if we don't do this, we will remain fragile as state institutions as those implicated in capture continue to pull the strings. So essentially you're saying that what happened could happen again in relation to to state capture? I think so. And I also think the state remains captured because as long as the food soldiers and some of the people in the spider webs remain in these institutions, they are continuing the mandate of the state capture syndicate. One of the main reasons why with the change of political leadership, uh, President Ramaphosa was so welcomed by the vast majority of South Africans, you know, that he was like a breath of fresh air, you know, in the, you know, in contrast to what had gone before, um, and and his 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 platform, his campaign, and his program was centered on fighting corruption. Now, with the revelations that have or the allegations that that have been made in relation to what happened or allegedly happened at his farm in Palapala. Do do you think that because some people have said that actually that has damaged his standing as someone who is campaigning against corruption that it, it actually it has served to undermine you know his 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 standing do you think that he could should have de- or or must deal with the issue differently I really don't know what more do we want the president to do but let me start by saying you're right that the standing of the president has been brought to question or, to be honest, diminished. Because, yes, he came as our hope or as a nation's hope 
when it came to combating corruption state capture because of the messaging he gave us and also because historically we had never heard of any news of him being involved in corruption. And what has happened does not suggest he's corrupt, though, because no allegation of corruption has been leveled against him. He may have been involved in criminality in that the money that was found in his farm may have exceeded the limits what is allowed in terms of foreign exchange. That's number one. There's also an allegation that there was money laundering, but that's a false allegation. Money laundering is really money. There's a movie called The Laundromat. <laughs> you people want to know what money laundering is. It's really just like laundering, doing your laundry. So you take the money that is uh, ill-gotten and then you push it through a legitimate system. It comes out on the other side looking like it came from a source. At this stage, we don't know where the money came from. And if it had been laundered, we wouldn't be talking about money under a, 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 a sofa or a couch because we would have seen it on the other side of the laundromat. So there's, there's no evidence of money laundering yet. But there is a clear case that needs to be when it comes to um, having a huge amount of foreign exchange. There's also the questions that have been raised about how the recovery process or the alleged recovery process was executed outside the normal criminal justice system. I, for one, do not question that the president did not report the matter to the police. Whenever there was criminality that affected me, I reported it to my protectors and trusted them to take the process forward. So I would not go to the police station unless, of course, there was battery or something like that. And we, I knew that not much investigation was done. Not any of the backlaries we had in my house, we, 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 we investigated. So I wouldn't necessarily question the fact that he reported this matter to his protectors uh, or to his, um, what they call, security detail. I wouldn't question that. As to whether he was personally in what happened after that or instructed that that should happen, we honestly have to hear from the investigation. But I do confirm with you that this has harmed the nation, has brought to question the trust we have in the president and other politicians that look like they are upright. And then the, 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 the last thing that, that, that I wanted to, to, to ask you, uh, uh, Professor Matonzela, is, you know, we, we often talk about the, the death of, of leadership in the country. And I know that one of the aspects of your foundation, for example, is to address the question of, of leadership. Um, now, a lot of people hold you in very high esteem. And I'm going to ask you a question that I know you've been asked before many times. You know, might the country not be better off with people like yourself actually getting in there and, in a sense, dirtying their hands, you know, in providing the leadership that it needs rather than people like yourself standing outside and passing judgment on how the, 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 the active players are, are, are performing? 
No, those who teach and advise are not always the best to do the actual thing. So I'm very good at advising others. I'm good at teaching about leadership, which at Tuma, we believe like you, though, that good people should go into government. I'm not suggesting that those in government are not good people, but I'm saying people should not go to government because they have no jobs. So we, we're raising young leaders who can be employed by anybody, but, but to go into politics is part of fixing the ecosystem they want to live in. And we have designed a particular leadership model which came from experiences as public protector and connecting the dots backwards. At Stellenbosch University, we're even coming back with an instrument that is helping them to do an assessment and implement their policies in the virtual space to make sure that policies that are aimed at good things do not harm some of people. So that, that instrument is about tailoring policies for all to ensure that we perpetuate social injustice as we try to fix other things in society. But for you yourself, no. Leadership, leading, you'd rather be teaching? Teach, advise, adjudicate when they've done something wrong. I honestly think I have a different purpose in life. The way I see it at this stage, it does not include being in the forefront of governance. But I think what I'm doing both at the Tuma Foundation and Stellenbosch University is part of the good that we need to see being done to fix our ecosystem or our democracy. Okay. Uh, Professor Madonsela, unfortunately, we have just about run out of time. Uh, we'd like to thank you very much for your time and your very interesting perspectives about where our country is going and where it has been in recent times. Professor Madonsela, uh, who, of course, uh, is the former public protector and is currently teaching law at the University of uh, Stellenbosch. Uh, I'm Mike Siluma. Until next time, do stay safe, stay blessed, and do good for our country.